This is the Wrestling With Your Calling podcast with Dr. Conrad, Season 2, The Matters of the Heart. I'm your host, Dr. Conrad Davies. For this season, we're going to do a deep dive into the matters of the heart. Proverbs 20 and 5 will be our lead scripture. It says, The purposes of a person's heart are like deep waters, but a person of understanding can draw them out. I pray that we become a people of understanding who draw out the deep matters of the heart. I'm excited about what you will learn today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, welcome back, gang. It is Dr. Conrad. Another episode of Wrestling With Your Calling with Dr. Conrad. Season two. The season two The focus really is on a deep dive into the human heart and some things I've learned about the human heart. I'm using Proverbs 20 and 5 as a focal point. Um, It says that the purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding can draw them out. These deep purposes, this counsel of the human heart. Today, I want to chat with you a little bit about a word picture that got developed with some of my students. Well, just in my classroom, as I used to be a university educator for 18 years, and one ways I would want to communicate things, I would talk about the soil of the heart, or the heart is like soil. The heart is like soil. And it it would come from, there's a sort of framework in some communication scholarship, communication studies scholarship. That's, That's my master's studies. And there's this framework about something called uh, cognitive processing. In other words, the layman's term would be the way we think. There's a way we think. And they coined it in about a five-part framework. Um, This is not a a theory. This was not some sort of, um, uh, yeah, it was not a popular theory. But the idea, though, was to frame out the process of how we think. Now, keep in mind, Hebraically, thinking happens in the heart, um, but yet in our Greek-inspired, Greek Greco-Roman-inspired minds, we don't have the thought of thinking in the heart. It's more so we call it the mind, or we say in the brain. We sort of separate all that. Well, the reason why I'm talking about this cognitive processing is that it gives a neat five-part framework. And what I would talk about with the framework is is a couple of things. One is that data comes into us by our senses, the five senses, where we touch, taste, feel, um, hear, um, smell. These five senses, if I hope I did all five, but uh, these five senses are sort of the data inputs. The It's called the, this first phase is called the sensory input, sensory input. And so when we're, the idea of when we're cognitively processing, we, we've got to have some kind of input. I would submit to you because of course, um, um, coming from a faith perspective is that we have a, a sixth sense, which is our spirit. Our spirit would be a data a place that picks up things as well. Um, well, so for the for the purpose of science, it's it's the five natural senses. So sensory input. The second phase of the process of how we think would be it's a 
storage. It's a meaning section. In other words, it's like when the data comes in, the sensory input comes in, meaning gets attached. I apologize. Just just a few moments ago, I said storage. What I meant to say, storage is the third phase. The second phase is meaning, and then we get the third phase of storage. Let me talk about the second phase for a second. So there's sensory input, then there's this meaning gets attached. And what happens is that the senses and this input that's come in, phase one, starts, there's a process in us that now puts meaning. The third phase is storage. It starts to store into our long-term memory after meaning is attached and this consistency of these inputs and we have consistency of getting meaning connected to it and this meaning can elaborate and grow and shift and change. It stores, which is the third phase. The fourth phase would be something we call uh, retrieval or just data retrieval, where out of long-term memory, out of the storage place inside of us, there are these retrieval moments where, if imagine if you're uh, used to a smell growing up um, in your grandmother's house, or if somebody's, your mom cooked a certain meal, decades later, you could uh, smell that smell again, and you find yourself say, oh, that reminds me of grandma's house. That reminds me of my mom's cooking about this. So these things that have been in long-term memory is the fourth phase. There's a retrieval. And then the fifth phase is output. We have some kind of communication output where what was in long-term memory, what has been stored, what meaning has been put there, and what data came in originally, we now have some kind of output. The output may be you know, in the case of the good smell, we may find ourselves kind of turning our nose up when we smell that new, that old smell that we used to smell from grandma's house and we start to smile. So the output is a smile or we start to reminisce and share with somebody. I remember when I was five years old and I go to grandma's house and she'd cook that apple pie and whatever else. So let me replay that this for those listening audio and then even those on video. Let me play, replay that briefly and I'll get to the soil of the heart is this idea of there's an input that comes in from our senses. I even believe our spirit would be a sixth sense, but there's the five natural plus our spirit. Data has come in. Then there's meaning that gets attached to that data, whatever's come in from our senses or our spirit. Then there's a storage process, and that storage process stores the data, and we start to function cognitively about how we know that what that data is because there's meaning been attached to it and now starts to store inside of the quote-unquote hard drive of our being we start to it it just starts to solidify the fourth phase would be there's a retrieval process that other things will trigger the what's stored inside of us and then the fifth phase is that of an output some kind of communication output smile a comment a commentary just a memory a reflection whatever it may be we have some kind of output, some kind of action, some sort of responsiveness to it, there is an output. So it goes from an input to an output process with meaning, storage, and retrieval in between the input and the output. Well, again, that's a very basic framework. But I want to put that in context of our heart, the department of our heart, especially in the intellect, even our emotions are like this. In the, in the different departments of our heart, we have very similar kind of frames of how things happen. Let me use a different language. In the soil of our heart, 
we've got seeds that get, that get planted in our hearts. And those seeds are various kinds of seeds. And then those seeds, they get, once they get, if they're in the right season, in the right timing, in the right type of soil, they'll get watered. And then as they get watered, they start to get a root system and then they start to grow. And then over time, they may produce a fruit and the fruit will be something that we may pick and eat. Whether it's good fruit or bad fruit, we pick and eat both. And in our hearts, it's a little bit more complex. I'm using a framework here. So bear with me on the framework. There is an input of a seed. There is, if it's in the right season and it gets watered properly, it goes through that meaning slash storage process. Um, it grows, it develops, and then there's some kind of retrieval and output. There's things that remind us of, oh, I've got fruit here, or there's thing we get reminded of things, and further sometimes gets watered there, and then there's some sort of output. There's a fruit of a thing that comes in. So let me put this. Um, let me kind of use that all that framework. Sorry about the complexity, but all that framework. I want to put that in context of your life. So. Um, a practical example, um, I had various things happen to me at young ages, um, some negative, some positive. Take, for instance, if a person grows up in a single parent home and the seed of that single parent home was that all they knew was a mothering voice. That's all they knew, a mothering voice. They didn't have many fathering voices around um, at all, other male voices. So the seeding of their lives was probably more feminine, more uh, more mothering oriented, possibly. There, and as that happens, if they come across fathering voices or m sort of male voices that communicates differently than how the mothering feminine voice may communicate, they may have to garden a new type of voice in whatever phase of their lives. Now, if they never get that voice watered on a regular basis, what could happen is that when um, things happen later in their lives and there may be fathering voices around them, it may be strange or weird, or they feel uh, undeveloped. They feel like, oh, I don't, I'm not used to this. This is unfamiliar. Or say this, it's a girl in a single mother home Potentially, what can happen is that when she gets married and her husband doesn't communicate like her mom communicated, which is going to be likely, it may bring clash for her. She's not used to a male fathering type voice, but even in particular, if when if they have children and he becomes, of course, starts functioning as father and male and speaking to a son a certain way, it may clash inside of her. That's an example. Notice the input, meaning gets attached to it, storage, retrieval, output. Flip the script. Say a person grows up in a single fathering home and doesn't have much of a mothering voice around. And what can, and that was my story, a part of it. I, I grew up in a more predominantly a single father home, very small mothering voice. And I share some of my own personal lives so that you can realize I'm not, I don't want to just speak academically or speak um, theoretically. I want to have a real conversation with you. And in that, what it did, it brought sensitivity to the mothering voice. And over time, there was one situation, I tell the story to tie this to my, uh, tie it to my marriage. My wife was um, having a beautiful moment with my one of my sons. And what happened was that she had 
rebuked my son, but then she says, hey, son, I love you. And since she loved on him. So there's a rebuke and a restoration or a a, a confirmation, a, a comfort after the rebuke and the correction. Because I'd never experienced that growing up. I actually went to the other room. Uh, it was early in our marriage. I went to the other room and I just wept because that was such a foreign um, so, uh, garden in my heart. It's a foreign plant in my heart. And I remember how much it, it messed with me in a good way, but a negative, it just messed with me. Cause I was like, I've never seen it before. I've never experienced rebuke and love and, 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 and uh, uh, confirming like that ever before in my life. And now I'm watching my wife be a mama to my son. And I'm identifying with my son as a little boy in that moment. And it's so foreign, but for me, my output was tears because there was, pain attached to my experience with that. It wasn't rebuke plus comfort. It was just rebuke or it was absence. And so now when I'm examining my garden, because I'm looking at this circumstance and watching my wife do a healthy thing with my son, I'm not handling it well. So it's, again, it's producing pain and tears. Um, but there was joy because part of my cognition was I wanted my children to experience something different. So there's a seed in my heart that was, I want my children not to experience what I experienced. So if you can kind of see, I'm given that anecdote to kind of see that there's these things in our heart. There's these soils. There's this, well, sorry, this heart is like soil. There are these plants in our heart that sometimes it creates the lens of how we view life. It's There's a garden, a rich, elaborate garden of how we view life. And that garden is colored with all kinds of seeds. Remember this, the seed and the fruit look very different. Every gardener that's out there, you know that what seed you put in the ground, the fruit looks very different. There is seed inside of the fruit, but what came out from that itty bitty seed produced this elaborate plant. It's beautiful the way God designed it. The same thing happens in your heart. The seeds of what happened when you were a child and when you were younger and experiences you had, the fruit is very different. So if you examine only the fruit, you may miss the process of how that seed got developed. So with what I love about that original cognitive process I explained, it can give us a framework to know that there is a journey or a process that takes us to the place of fruiting. And why we act the way we act. And if we go back and examine that, we can look at, oh, there was a seed that was planted. Meaning got attached to it. It got stored. There were these trigger moments. More, Some more watering comes with those trigger moments, retrieval. And then there's an output. And so there's a way we act, but it comes from a seed that was planted. And then it produces some kind of action um, later, whatever the action may be. And, and you can go back and listen to my story more if you need to hear it again. Um, there's these things that trigger. So most of your lives and the things that come out of your heart really come from these seeds that were planted. Some of them are positive. Some of them are negative. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. And in the next, ep in, a, in, in another episode, I'm not sure if it's going to be the next one, um, I may talk a little deeper about how to unravel some of those things, those seeds that got planted in your heart. Hope this encouraged you today. Go back and re-listen to it. If it was a little technical, sometimes we need to listen to things two or three times to really kind of grasp the concept. But I'm hoping you're well. Have a good rest of the day. Peace to you, friends. Wow, friend. I appreciate your support of this podcast. This season is powerful. And I hope it brings you loads of encouragement, insight, and hope. 
I hope you listen to these episodes repeatedly and share them with your friends. If you haven't ordered a copy of the book, you can do so at our website, wrestlingwithyourcalling.com. Also, I'd love to coach you. So reach out for a consultation through the website as well. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to email me. All the contact information is below or on the website. And be sure to subscribe so that you're notified of the next episodes. I'll be putting out a lot of content this season. Remember, I want you to become an ace. Go be activated, cultivated, and empowered today. Until next time, friends. Shalom.